Okay, I'll ask you a very important question. Are you excited? And you may be asking yourself, what the hell am I supposed to be excited about? Pitchers and catchers started reporting today, Wednesday. I don't know what the hell date is it in February, but uh, what is today? Wednesday the 13th. 13th, there you go. Lucky number 13. Pitchers and catchers started reporting at various spring training sites in Florida and in Arizona. Are you excited? No, not really. Let's talk about a lot of other things on this 308th episode of Unscripted. Welcome to the program. Mike Jansen, along with my partner and the executive producer of the program, Mr. Chris Fluke. And we've got a lot of things to talk about besides baseball. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, I never cut off Mike here when he's getting going on the beginning here. But I actually want to ask you about this. You said the other day, yeah, the other week, a week or two ago, you said that baseball used to be your favorite sport. And I was so shocked about that, and I didn't get to ask. And I want to ask before I forget again. So before we get into the rest of the show, and you were just talking last episode how we're unscripted, so let's go unscripted here. Please tell me how, at any point in your life, baseball could have been perceived to be more exciting than football. Um, that's a good question. Uh, my answer is television has done a lot for the game of football. You know, that's a great question. I'm going to tell you when I started becoming more of a football fan than a baseball fan, though. I'll tell you like that because I don't know how to answer your first question. Because I don't think baseball ever has been more exciting than the NFL. So it was the tradition with Americans' national pastime. No, when I started really becoming more of a football fan, and, and I've always was a Packer fan, but remember when this happened, this was the 29 years of crap between Coach Lombardi and Coach Holmgren. So uh, there wasn't a lot to get excited when football started in Wisconsin at that time, simply for the fact that the Badgers were terrible and the Packers were terrible. And... The Brewers were competitive. Uh, they were interesting. They had some players like Robin Young and Paul Molitor. But I'll tell you exactly, and you've probably heard me say this before, when I became a full-blown National Football League fan over the game of baseball was the 1994 season. Yeah. When we lost the World Series, um, and I, don't, I, can't even, I can't even tell you how much, how disappointing that must have been to be a Montreal Expos fan at that time because you were the best team in baseball in 1994 and you were screwed by the game of baseball. And that's when I think I really full force became more of a football fan than a baseball fan. I had, here's the, all right, I I think I got to go back a long time to answer your question. And it took me a couple of, of minutes to kind of formulate an answer. And my answer would be this. It was always easier as a kid growing up in the Midwest, Midwestern United States, it was always easier to pick up a game and get a game with a bunch of guys to play baseball than it was to play football. That sounds counterintuitive, shall we say. I, I, we, I always found it was easier to put a football game together. Well, for some reason in my neighborhood, we had a bunch of baseball players. And they weren't that interested in playing football. And we had a bunch of guys, um, if, if guys in Marshfield, Wisconsin are ever listening to this, uh, we had the Klein brothers, we had the Wine brothers, we had the Jansen brothers, we had the Berg brothers. And we were all neighbors, and we loved to get together and play baseball. And I don't know if that's what it was, but we never really played any kind of real football until we got to junior high, grade seven. And But 
And I think partial it, I, I, and maybe some of it was weather related. As funny as that may sound, because during football season is when you'd usually play football. And a lot of the football season, Packer season, Badger season in Wisconsin, it's under inclement weather and you don't want to go out there and play. I don't know. All I know is that we spent a lot of time in our free time in the summer when we were off. And the, and the biggest difference is Canadians go to go to school longer. They go to the end of June. They get two months of summer vacation, or at least the summer ex- ex- uh, vacation that I've been exposed to with my daughters here. But down there, you get off at the end of May. So you've got June, July, and August. You've got 30 extra days to kill. And I remember playing a lot of baseball over the summer because of the proximity of the players, the players' interest, the guys that we had in the neighborhood that could do it. And I just think that it was easier for us at this time when you're developing your sports interests. So we started playing ball when we were like, eight, nine, ten years old, maybe even earlier, maybe later, I don't know, but I'm going to say early teens, maybe, and we played a lot of baseball, and it just, we were good at it, and we had some players that played American Legion baseball, which is like summer league baseball, um, and so I, I, I watched a lot of Brewers baseball. I watched Robin Yunt. I watched Paul Molitor. I watched Jimmy Gantner. I watched the Brewers make the World Series for the last time, which was in 1982, when I was in grade 11. That's how long ago it's been since the Brewers made the World Series. So that was my connection to baseball. Um, The only real connection that my mother and I ever had, sports-wise, my real mother, not not my mm-hmm. the mother I, and my mother Sharon in Vegas, but my real mother in Florida. The only connectivity we ever had was baseball because she was a huge Milwaukee Braves fan back oh. in the fifties when she was a teenager. Henry Aaron, Henry Aaron, and Warren Spahn, and uh, uh, Eddie Matthews, and Bob Uecker, and so that was the connectivity that my mother and I had. That was the only thing that we really shared about sports with that she could always reminisce about being a teenager and going to Milwaukee Braves games when they won the World Series in 1957, the only series World Series won by the city of Milwaukee, Braves or Brewers. When the Braves left in 65 for Atlanta, we didn't have baseball in Milwaukee till 1970. So long-winded, I know. Um, but yeah. I just I just think that it was probably a bit of the childhood and the circumstances I grew up with. And I really connected. I really felt that I think everybody has a bit of, if you play sports at all, you always have a a vision or a dream that you'd like to do this someday. My dream was always to play baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers. And obviously I wasn't good enough, but my dream was never to play for the Green Bay Packers because I'd always thought even Jack being a football coach and I played for Jack, but I played for Jack as an option quarterback, but I knew that I wasn't going to go ban high school. So, but I really lost interest in baseball, the 1994 strike. So you, at one point, were a bigger fan of the Brewers than of the Packers. Yes, absolutely. Wow, that's hard for me to picture. Yeah, okay. No, absolutely. 
Oh, absolutely. Interesting. If you knew me in the seventies, you would be surprised. Um, Cause they've and, been crap and, for so long and you didn't, and you're just, it's like with the Oilers at this point. Well, almost. you know, you, you, you sit there and, and you watch the games every Sunday with your dad because your dad basically made us do that. This is what we do. We go to church. This was our Sunday routine. It's always the same. And the Packers were always lousy. So they always had the early Sunday game breakfast, church, 11 o'clock or there noon our difference noon Packer game. There's your Sunday right there. And did and Jack didn't care for baseball too much. No, and he was a very good baseball player, very good baseball player. Uh, my brother Dave, who you've never met, never will. He's he's the one that you know that I've called some unsavory names on unscripted. Very good baseball player, but uh, played the. He was on the last team at the University of Wisconsin that fielded a baseball team. Wisconsin doesn't field a baseball program anymore. The only team in the Big Ten that does not. Wisconsin's the only one. And Dave, my brother Dave, was on the last Badger baseball team that did. Um, other things to talk about on this uh, 308th episode of Unscripted. Um, yes, pitchers and catchers reported today. Big deal. Um, I will get interested again late September. If there's a pennant race, I will get excited again when the playoffs start in early October. That's when baseball's worth watching and i was listening to one of our we were talking about the baseball rule changes and i don't know how i screwed up the um the three batters pitchers must face at least three batters and i i don't know where my mind was there but i was rethinking i was rethinking that and i think the two biggest changes that baseball should really look at is the pitch count or the pitch clock and that Three pit or three batter minimum for pitchers. Oh, you came around to that. You really I, like that. I huh? really like that. I mean, there's so much dicking around with all these pitching changes, and you bring in a right-hander to face a left-handed hitter, and then all of a sudden the next guy comes up, and the the the, the, the manager makes a move, and so the the other manager's got to make a subsequent change, and what a waste of time. I really, I don't think baseball should take more than two and a half hours for nine innings. If it's a well-played game, good pitching, good defense, and a little bit of hitting, shouldn't take more than two and a half, two forty-five. It shouldn't take four hours. And to me, the the easiest changes to make to speed up the game wouldn't even be tough to implement. To me, it's I, I appreciate what they're trying to do with the mound visits, but there just shouldn't be mound visits. Just just like, and certainly not if it's just taking the pitcher out. Like if all the guy, all the coach wants to do is change pitchers. That's all he's doing. Well, they he weren't being that. charged a mound visit with a pitching. Change. No, but I'm just saying, no, okay, go yeah. back fifty years, hundred right, years right, if you right, want. Right. Okay. If all the coach wants is to change the pitcher, mosey, 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 oh, walk, walk, it's like walk, watching paint talk, dry. Take the ball. The guy stared at him the whole way. Okay, <laughs> now we both walk back. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck? Like, treat it like hockey. And first of all, there should never be guys. The, the bullpen, they shouldn't be, like, there should have to be something where you can't just be sitting in the bullpen till the last second, and it's out in center field, and then you have to run all the way across the field and go to commercial and shit, just because you're changing the pitcher. Imagine if any if the NHL, every time they wanted to do a line change, they had to go to a commercial, <laughs> and, like, they're, like there's a little tiny bench of five guys, and the rest is, like, across the arena. Like, yeah. no, that's not happening, right? Let, let's get serious. It'll be funny if they ever bring in these changes I'm proposing, which they should. And then if you go back, like people that grow up with that and then they look back and like, what the fuck is going on here? Why is this fat guy walking slowly here and taking forever? And then why does the guy have to run across the whole stadium? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Everyone should be right there who has a chance to go in. You should have to be 
in the dugout, ready to go in or else you're not eligible to come into the game right now. Boom. Okay, the guy, you know, the coach wants to change. Boom. In, out, keep going. Well, why the somebody's on the phone with the bullpen, get the guy who's coming up, get him through the tunnel and get him up to the bullpen where he just, instead of all that dicking around... Yeah. Like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, that, that the whole thing is just ridiculous. They have to get serious. So speed up, pace, play with all that. With what we just said there, and a shot clock, I would make it so much better. One baseball thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Justin Verlander. Good pitcher. Hall of Famer someday. I don't think so. Maybe he won't get to 300 wins. I don't think. I don't think pitchers last long enough anymore to get 300 wins. I, we could, we may not, maybe not, maybe not in my lifetime. I don't know if we'll see another guy hit 300 wins. I don't know. Oh, if there's one guy that doesn't last very long, it's Verlander married to Kate Upton. Jesus well, I was Christ. Just, my God, we're thinking a lot alike. <laughs> I was just going to say his greatest career achievement is marrying Kate Upton. Yeah. But Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros and husband of Kate Upton. Thinks the free agent system in baseball is broken and needs to be fixed. And this is in reference to we're now seeing pitchers and catchers report regular position players about a week away, and yet the two marquee free agents still are unsigned, meaning Messers, Harper, and Machado. And Verlander, he just must have a perpetual smile on his face all the fucking time. He's going to be a daddy, you know. Oh. But he says the the free agent system in baseball is broken. And I ask why, Justin? Because some owners are finally showing some fiscal responsibility? Unbelievable. I mean, you want to know why Derek Jeter, and Chris and I both don't have much love and respect for Derek Jeter here and what he did to dismantle the Florida or the Miami Marlins or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days, basically sell the National League MVP, which be, which became Kristen Yelich, the Milwaukee Brewers, for a couple of, I don't know, a couple of hockey bags and some hockey pucks, basically. Um, they just finished their latest version of a fire sale down in Florida when they sent the catcher, JT Real Muto, I believe is his name. They just sent him to Philadelphia. Um, Miami has is in perpetual rebuild. And you'd think a market that a lot of your players are coming from the Cuban, Cuban, Hispanic heritage culture. Miami got it written all over. You'd think Miami would do well, but they don't. Um, but the baseball system is, is broken. No, it's not broken. It's some owners that, especially the ones that are looking to sign Bryce Harper. Yes. He brings power numbers. Yes. He's won an MVP. Yes. He's won a Homer title. Has he won a world's championship? Uh, no. Last year he's asked, or this year he's asking for $300 million plus. The guy batted 235 last year. When you're asking for 30 or more million dollars a year, you've got to put up a better slash line than 235 as a batting average. He did go over 100. He had 109 ribbies last year. For $300 million, he should be driving in 150 or more. My God, people. Justin Verlander, go back and cuddle with your gorgeous wife. The system's not broken. It's about time that the people, the, excuse me, the, pe the persons that may have dented the system a little bit 
are starting to finally wake the fuck up. $300 million for 226 or 236, whatever it was. Bryce Harper, there's a connection between you and I because of Las Vegas and because of a guy named Coach Chambers at the Community College of Southern Nevada. But my friend, if you think you're worth $300 million, fuck off. <laughs> exactly. I thought this was going to be a few years down the road at least before we got to the point where it was just unsustainable because you can't, like, what's, again, I said this last week, I think, too, what is the breaking point going to be if it's not this? Are guys going to make a billion a year? Well, no, that's not possible. So at some point, you're going to hit the breaking point. And when it becomes not only new milestones broken, like $300 million, but potentially buy guys that are batting, you know, 225, 235, aren't winning championships, aren't doing anything special. You know, this is not some legendary guy necessarily. I mean, still has a lot to be figured out if he is that good, uh, especially, you know, Bryce Harper, geez, really looked on the downswing. I don't know if anyone's confident he's going to have another amazing season ever again, to be honest with you, because he, he showed a lot of cause for concern there. So, uh, you know, when you have guys like that trying to set new benchmarks, I mean, why? It doesn't make any sense. It was only a matter of time before we got to this point, and I'm really enjoying seeing it sort of regress to the mean here. And it's uh, this is, uh, in real estate, this would be a correction in the market. That's exactly what this is, and I'm hoping that it continues, and I'm hoping we have to see him take a lot less money and he was turning down not that long ago. A bit of a programming note. Uh, the boss and I have talked about this and uh, would like you to think about and possibly submit your list in the next week when Chris and I get together. Uh, when we get together next week for our uh, weekly episodes of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, we are going to on air. We'll bring our lists in, but we'll go over them on air. And maybe we'll make a master list of uh, we're looking for your big, your 10 biggest douchebags in all the sports. And I don't, you know what? It's not even sports. 10 douchebags, period. I don't care. Should, should we say living? Let's make them living, though. Living, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Living douchebags. We want your top 10 all-time, all-douchebag team. You know what would be fun, though? Is That's then what we want. Another week after, another, like some other time, do top 10 dead douchebags. <laughs> Does that make you, does that make us a douchebag? Does that make us douchebags <laughs> yeah, if we I mean, top ten dead douchebags? We might bags? be one in one A on the douchebag list, but for next week we're giving you a homework assignment, and you can leave at any of our different social media avenues. You can leave your lists, and if you leave us a list, I think that we can assure you that we will talk about it and read your list back out over on the unscripted airwaves. But. Just think about it, as Chris and I are giving ourselves a week to think about it, but we're going to compile. Chris will compile his top 10. I'll compare, compile my top 10 of living douchebags, not just in sports, in anything. I think I've just reserved Bryce Harper a spot <laughs> on my top 10 list. Or maybe it should be Scott Boros, his owner. His owner? <laughs> I mean, well, that's his bitch, but that's his agent. Oh, when you reconsidered Bryce Harper there, I thought for sure you were going to say Manny Machado. I'm not even talking about that idiot. Mm. I, I'm tired of him. He's mm -hmm. just, and you know, he's just a bitch. I think everyone knows who my number one's going to be. Oh, yeah. I think so. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go to the National Hockey League. Mm. And this is not a shot at a very good friend of mine. It's not a shot at the executive producer of Unscripted. 
This is a new story, and I found it a bit odd. As we sit here on the 12th of February, um, we are basically two weeks away from the trade deadline in the National Hockey League, 25th of February. Interim Oilers general manager Keith Gretzky said over the weekend, and this was in and around the time where Coach Hitchcock had his little meltdown about the coaches can't want it as as more than the players do in regard to um, if the Oilers make a push here for the playoffs. But as Chris has just reminded me, and I knew it before, I didn't know that they were this close to the basement. I knew that the Oilers were six points out of the last playoff spot, and they'd have to catapult over five teams to collect that eighth and final spot in the West. Conversely, they are two spot or two points away from the bottom spot in the Western Conference of the National Hockey League. And I don't know if if uh, the junior Gretzky is has a little case of wishful thinking here. And obviously, he is trying to prove to his bosses, Mr. Katz and the Oilers Entertainment Group, he's trying to impress them to have them consider him to be the full-time general manager next season. Um, but he came out over the weekend and said that the oils are the oil are six point out of last spot and playoff spot in the West, but Gretzky is said to be looking to be a buyer at the trade deadline. I'm going to look for the opinion from our esteemed Mr. Fluke and and uh, obviously his great passions about the Edmonton Oilers, but I think that this upcoming road trip that the Oilers started this evening in Pittsburgh and they were losing two to one late in the game. I don't know how it finished. But I think that this upcoming road trip before the all-star, or excuse me, before the trading deadline in the National League will determine a lot as to how this season unfolds for the Edmonton Oilers. I think it was a bit ambitious. I guess I understand where Keith Gretzky's coming from. He's trying to improve his boss or impress his bosses that he could handle this job on a full-time basis. But there's not a lot of cap space. I know that as a fact in Edmonton. There's not a lot of cap space. And if they were going to bring something in, you'd have to give something up. Obviously, that's why they call it trades. But I think it was a bit much for the interim general manager of the Edmonton Oilers to, pr- to make the proclamation that he thinks his team could be buyers at the trade deadline. I think they've got a lot of territory to make up before they can worry about bringing or being buyers at the trade deadline. Oh, if they just had a few more points, I think you could make the case they should be at this point two points ahead of the last spot. Uh, and they did just lose on Wednesday to the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-1 to one after an empty net goal. So uh, two points ahead of Anaheim and L.A. for dead last in the entire Western Conference. Yowza, that's, uh, that's, that's not good. But yeah, only six points out of the playoff spot. So you go on a winning streak here. I mean, if they knew you were going to win, you know, 20 of the last 30 games, sure. then, then they should, then they probably would make it. And in their defense, they've been without Oscar Clefbaum for quite a while and without Andre Sekera for the entire year. Both guys are back now. And that is, I can't underscore what a big difference that is. People are not going to give enough credit to how big that is. If most teams, like everyone's just like, oh, stupid Oilers, ha ha, like, oh, whatever, just making excuses. But no, like if most teams lost arguably their two best defensemen, I'm sorry, your team's not going to be playing so well. I don't well, care which team you are. It doesn't and matter. And I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your candor. And I could say the same thing about my Packers. Uh, the Packers 
terribly decimated by injuries, but no one's going to feel sorry for us. Nobody's going to feel sorry for Edmonton. The problem is, is that your guys need to get healthy. My guys need to get healthy. And maybe it's time for, for a new direction in both cities. Sure. But at this point, you know what? To be honest, like, when he says they're buyers, now, if he means short-term rentals when it's very iffy, if they're going to make know. that... I I'm just reporting... I, I, I know, I yeah. know, and I'm not nothing yeah, against yeah. you. No, I but know. I'm just like, he could mean multiple things when he sure says he that, right? So if he is saying you know, any sort of rentals, then no, that's a terrible idea. If he just means buyers as, you know what, there's no point in us tanking and rebuilding because we've had enough of that and it's not doing anything. At this point, we just have to learn how to win hockey games. And then I'm totally fine with that. If he's just making trades, looking for long-term solutions, and he's willing to, let's say, get an important forward that could be part of the core going forward and in exchange for a draft pick, okay, that's totally fine. I have no problem with that. I, you know, for years, I enjoyed the whole, like, all right, we got the first overall pick three years in a row. Like, study the draft, and it's going to be fun. And I didn't think I'd have to do that again anytime (laughs) soon, but I guess I'll be studying the draft. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine in Saskatoon, and he was saying that he doesn't think Jack Hughes is going to want to play in uh, in Edmonton too badly if we get the first overall pick, uh, as uh, he is American, I believe. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I don't even want to think about that stuff. At this point, you know, don't worry about tanking or improving draft pick. Plus, I mean, even if you finish dead last in the league, you only have a 20% chance of winning. It's not like the NFL or something where you're, sh- you know, guaranteed something great. So uh, it's not even worth tanking in the NHL at this point. So I think that, uh, though, with Gretzky, Keith Gretzky at this point, he did not get the job because he's a Gretzky. He got the job because of his relationship with Peter Chiarelli in Boston. That's why he got it. So, and I'm sure he's a hardworking guy and a likable guy. It just, it, and it's probably not fair to him, but in the same way that a lot of people would think that he would get extra favoritism because he's a Gretzky, I think if they end up doing the right thing, which who knows if they will, but if they do and they do a proper house cleaning, I think just even for bad optics, even to remove the potential of bad optics, I think you certainly don't promote him, but maybe even get rid of him outright because he was a, yeah. he's a Chirelli guy all the way. And uh, and just you don't even want people, even if he deserves the job right. based on his hard work. Yeah, it's just it's going to cause well, too many problems in in Edmonton with the fan base. Wouldn't that be something? It'd be like I I I, I pose the analogy to you. The analogy would be if you're Keith Gretzky trying to be successful in Edmonton after obviously his brother. It'd be the same like that offensive coordinator, the, somebody on the offensive staff of the new of the New Orleans Saints, one of the Lombardis the nephew of Vince Lombardi and him being the coach in green Bay. That is not, that's, that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That would be impossible. That would be, um, that would be like LeBron James's Sid, the kid that we always hear about Bronny, who's supposedly tearing up eighth grade basketball in the Los Angeles area, but they're expecting him to be, the next great Laker, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just or Michael Jordan's son playing for the Bulls. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Like, it's like, okay, it, it, it's just not even fair to the person. So I think that I hope Keith Gretzky, you know, it seems like a hardworking guy. I hope he has a career and gets to do what he wants. I just in hope another he gets city. to run his own team yeah. in a different city. Yeah, it just, and it's just not it, good. It, it, he can't, 
No. He can't win to lose. No, it's in Edmonton yeah, with the last name of Gretzky. Yeah, anything less than a Stanley Cup, and it's right. and it's your it, brother did this, your brother did yeah, that, your it's, brother. Uh, okay. It's not worth it. It's just it, get rid of it. But anyway, it, the the front runner is definitely Kelly McCrimmon when it comes to the oh, GM really? search. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, in my opinion, based on my research and talking to people, that's the best I can find. They wanted permission from Vegas and didn't get it yet. But uh, maybe they will at some point, but because you know he is doing good work for the Vegas Golden Knights right now as an assistant GM, and so uh, that's where I think uh, you know he's been good at multiple levels. He's a young up and comer, I think, uh, in, in well in management yeah, yeah, circles. Yeah. When I say young, uh, younger brother of Brad McCrimmon, former yep. captain of the Flames, who you know who died, uh, died in that horrific that, uh, the Russian plane right, crash yeah. and Yaroslavl locomotive, yeah, and so that uh, that was too bad. But yeah, and it's tough to find really much for candidates the only other one i saw was mark hunter who you know probably is except the thing is anytime someone's known for their work with the leafs and it's reported by the toronto media i i sort of you know take it with a grain of salt because uh, you know in toronto everything that's toronto related is has to be super important so i'm not sure if that's accurate or not but kelly mccrimmon i certainly do believe but outside that i don't even know who the other candidates are and I mean, at this point, I think you want to, I guess maybe it's hard to know that because you want to look at the young hot shots. I mean, if Ken Holland is willing to do it after 30 years in Detroit, like maybe, but I don't know. He hasn't done the best contracts lately. They've been lo- like, I mean, 25 years straight in the playoffs, but then a few years of, of crap when you aren't finding Datsuk in the sixth round and Zetterberg in the seventh <laughs> or, or having magical combinations of Iserman and Fedorov. I mean... You know, look, it's 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 hard now. It's a, it's a different thing, I think, and I hope they do get some young up and comer like Kelly McCrimmon. It's probably the best point, but I don't know. It's hard to find who they're even looking at, but they are taking their time at least. And I hope it's someone who has no previous connections to Edmonton or the Oilers or anyone in there right, right. now or anything. And I hope that they do that, uh, you know, a top to bottom house cleaning here because this whole once an Oiler, always an Oiler is a nice thought. But it led to Dave Semenko scouting talent for stuff other than fighting. <laughs> and uh, that was just inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. We try to keep you folks uh, informed as best as we can in our little corner of the world here on our little program. Um, the, we're just... Uh, 308. 308. Wow. Uh, but we have some CFL news. <laughs> you know, it pales in comparison. And you know what? I got to tell you, I'm... Those guys that are playing in Canada are playing in as cold or colder conditions. They're out there getting concussions. They're out there getting their ass kicked. They're out there putting their lives on the line, playing football, playing the game that they love. And the reason I say all this is that you probably heard us if you've listened uh, to previous episodes and especially at the end of the CFL season when this season finally the Calgary Stampeders after the last two disappointing uh, endings to their seasons with with losses in the Grey Cup both years to teams they should have wiped the field with I'm sorry John Huffnagel my local drunk uh, general manager and former head coach Um, but it was free agent the start of the free agent signing period in the Canadian Football League was yesterday and first day that you could sign and Calgary's Bo Levi Mitchell was making all this noise that I'm going to go down to the NFL and, and uh, I'm going to catch on down there. He got one tryout. 
That tryout was with the Minnesota Vikings. It didn't work out so well. Bo Levi signed a new four-year deal yesterday in Calgary, $1 million a season. Four years, a million bucks. Uh, four years, four million bucks. Mike Riley left the Edmonton Eskimos, and I think he's just as good. He just hasn't had as much success as Bo Levi did. See, I think Bo Levi's an idiot, but he's now the highest paid player in the history of the Canadian Football League. Four million dollar deal. Riley got four years, two point eight million dollars uh, for the duration of the contract with the BC Lions. Think about it this way, folks. Aaron Rodgers will make $34 million next year as the coach of the, uh, the as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Bo Levi's making a million. Mike Riley's making 700 k You know, I, I, I'm just saying, I think that the CFL players need to get paid. I'm not saying take away from the NFL players, but give a little bit more to the CFL players, guys. They are, they are, the CFL season starts, um, you know, usually in June with training camp. Their regular season starts usually around Canada Day, so July the 1st. And it goes, if you make it to the Grey Cup, you're going till the end of December. You have an 18-game regular season, so you're playing the same amount of games. The only difference is the NFL plays uh, two more preseason games, whereas the CFL tacks those on and adds them as two regular season games. So in the regular season, they play 18 games in the CFL. There can't be that much disparity in salaries, guys. I know the television contract isn't as much. I get that. There's only eight teams. I get that. Well, there, excuse me, nine teams. Now there's going to be a 10th, I guess, with the team in the Maritimes. Thank God we can have five in the East mm-hmm. and five in the West. Mm-hmm. But my God, let's boost up the pay a little bit. And maybe not even to the quarterback so much, but... Let's give a little bit more to the guys in the trenches that are actually taking the pounding so Bo Levi can sit back there and throw his interceptions in peace. <laughs> I'm not a Bo Levi fan. I know. I, I just, I had to bring up this point because I knew a guy, I got to tell you a story. I know we're unscripted so we can do this. One of the first guys that I ever met when I moved to Canada 22 years ago was a guy by the name of Stu Laird. And he was a football player. And I didn't know that from Adam. With all due respect to Stu Laird and all my, you know, think I know everything from being, oh, I was a big sports talk radio host down in the States. I should know everything. I didn't know shit. The only, when I first came to Calgary, the only Calgary Stampeder that I knew was Doug Flutie because of his years down in the States and at Boston College and all the other shit. Um, There have been some great players that have come through the Canadian Football League, and some of them have gone down and had good careers in the NFL. And I think of guys like Cameron Wake for the Miami Dolphins. And Flutie had a productive year, had some productive years in the NFL. Jeff Garcia left here, went on to quarterback a number of teams down in the National Football League. So there is good football talent in Canada. I'm not going to disagree, you know. But one of the first guys, the first guy I think I met was a guy by the name of Stu Laird. And through, but I knew him as a fireman for the Calgary Fire Department first. I didn't know. I just thought he was this huge, massive fire guy. No, he was an all-pro defensive end for the Calgary Stampeders, spent 11 years in the Canadian Football League, all with the Calgary Stampeders, and the most this man ever made in one season of CFL play, and a lot of those were at an all-pro level in the Canadian Football League. He made 28000 as his top salary. 
and had to become, so to augment his family income, he had to become a fireman in the offseason. You think Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and I love Aaron Rodgers, even though I'm finding out he's a bit of an asshole, a bit of a prima donna, 34 million, 34 million reasons why, I guess, to be a bit of a prick. But is Aaron Rodgers going to have to get a, a selling cars job in the offseason? I don't think so. Not at $34 million. I think we need to find, supposedly there's great this great communication between the CFL and the NFL. Well, maybe Randy, can't remember his last name. Ambrose? Yes, very good. Randy Ambrose, the commissioner of the CFL, should go down to Jane Goodell's house, ask if Roger can come out to play, and see if they can have a conversation and do a little cross-promotion, cross-marketing, and maybe some cross-salaries because there are some good quality CFL football players, folks, that are sweating, dying, bleeding, and everything else, just like an NFL player does, but at a quarter of the pay. Yeah. And that bothers me. Yeah. Randy Ambrosi, I mean, sorry. There you go. I was close. We got the first name right. You were 90% there on the last (laughs) one. It's okay. Anyway, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, these guys, if you really want to be taken seriously as a professional league, I think you need to actually pay your guys properly so they don't have to be bagging groceries on the side or anything. Uh, So I think they absolutely should make more than they do. I'd love to see some transparent financials. I have no idea what the TV deal is like. I know it's nothing in any way like the... (laughs) <laughs> one in the states and it's not like it's like oh they have 10 times the population so it's 10 times the money no it's it's uh, you know in the stratosphere compared to whatever we're doing here so i understand that there's not nearly as much money to go around i would love to see some transparent financials though and see how much more money we could get the players in the cfl because in most other leagues uh, the general per the general public is just concerned that they're making way too much money but in the cfl if anything they're making too little and uh, i'd love to see them make more especially for how it's going to shorten their career and really it's going to be when you're becoming a great football player that time is time you're not learning other skills and it's going to be tough to get uh, another job potentially too or you have to start from scratch so i'm uh, i'm hoping for the best for cfl players and it's the one league where i think they should make more money all right we've got to run but i've got one bit of news before we close out episode 308 and we get on to my favorite episode of the week which is freeform friday I do have to gloat a little bit. And not like me to ever gloat, but you know things are changing for Milwaukee's NBA team when the co-owner of the Bucks, Mark Lazary is his name. He's an investment banker from New York. He got fined $25,000 for tampering last week for tampering charges on comments he made about the Bucks making Anthony Davis's list of teams that he would sign a long-term extension with. Now, for a multimillionaire, I mean, twenty-five grand is nothing, and and that you know, I was going to mention about Joel Embiid getting fined twenty-five grand for being pissed off about the referees. If you want to make sure that the referees get treated with respect, NBA league office, you got to tr- you've got to find these guys more than twenty-five grand. These guys who are making thirty and forty million dollars a year. 25 grand to them is like dinner at Smitty's or breakfast at Smitty's for us. Smitty's is a breakfast chain in Canada and it's never real expensive. Um, but anyway, getting back to Lazary, I'm getting, I, I, my heart's racing again. That must be good. Um, <laughs> La- Lazary made the comment and I quote, it's worth every penny to get fined 25 grand because it shows that guys are thinking about playing in Milwaukee. 
And that hasn't happened in ages. Guys not, you know, in a small market, they want to go to LA, they want to go to New York, they want to go to Miami, they want to go to the big places. But I am proud to say that the Bucks won again tonight. They finished the first half of their season with the best record in team history, best record in the NBA at the All-Star break. They solidified that tonight with their 106-97 win over the Indiana Pacers. And the Bucks end the first half of the season and go into the All-Star break with a record of 43-14. and Congratulations to Mike Budenholzer. He is the All-Star game coach. Congratulations to Giannis, Chris Middleton, and obviously the owners that have done a hell of a job in Milwaukee. This team, this team four years ago, five years ago, was about to move because they didn't have a new stadium plan involved. This new ownership group comes in. They've got a new practice facility. They've got a brand-new billion-dollar arena in downtown Milwaukee. And you know what? They play, they play pretty goddamn good basketball this first half of the season at 43 up and 14 down, best record in the NBA. So for you New York Knicks fans, for you Lakers fans, for all you big market teams, go fuck yourself. The little guys can play ball too. I had to say that. Um, we got to run. We got to get to free form Friday. I got windy here. That's uh, that's what I have a tendency to do. We thank you for joining us. Hope that you continue to do so for our uh, our free form Friday members on our Patreon page. That's coming up next. That's exclusively for you. Look forward to bringing that to you. For the rest of you, I hope you have a great week. Hope you enjoyed this one, and hope if you're listening that you continue to do so when we get at it next week with a whole new week of shows of of unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.